0: NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson, and it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown. Jones has just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately he got the handoff, know it's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Oh, listen, thank you.
1: From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at Play Like a Jet One. And it is time to recap day number two of the 2022 NFL draft. And to do that, we bring in our friend who does all the film for us on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel, the Thunder from Down Under, Mr. Luke Grant. Luke, I know you were hoping that your fellow countryman, Daniel Filele would go <laughs> to the Jets on this day. He didn't, but he's still on the board, so there's still hope for day three.
2: Hey, there's still hope for Australia. We're all holding out over here. You know, no one's going to work. We're all watching the draft. So no, in all seriousness, probably not a great scheme fit, but I'm sure he'll get taken on day three at some at some stage. A guy like Jordan Maielata kinda of paved the way in Philly got a huge second contract. So maybe that's what his future holds to.
1: Very well could be. And as you said, I don't think he's a scheme fit, but who knows? Maybe Joe Douglas just Goes ahead and takes them anyway. They got two picks coming up on day number three in the fourth round. We'll talk about that in a little bit and some of the players that they could go and grab. But today they drafted two players. We know they traded up yesterday. From number 35 So they didn't have that pick today They had number 38 and number 101 They had flipped 101 for 69 as part of the Trade up to go get Jermaine Johnson Yesterday and so today They started out at number 38 Or so we thought Instead they flip up two picks Give up that extra fifth round pick they still had They gave up the other one yesterday In the trade up for Jermaine Johnson And they jumped the Houston Texans And grabbed Brees Hall running back out of Iowa State. The thing about Brace Hall that's interesting is that he's very fast, runs a 4.39. I wouldn't call him a pure speedback, though. He's a big guy, 5'11", 220 pounds, really powerful, great vision, patience. He's a great fit in the zone scheme, and I love this pick. I think he's going to be fantastic behind that Jets offensive line. It allows the Jets to now make Michael Carter into what he should be, which is a guy that maybe touches the ball 10 to 12 times a game. Got hurt a bunch of times last year. He's a smaller back. You don't want to put too much on him. But Brees Hall gives the Jets a player at running back at that size who has potential to be the best running back that they've had since Thomas Jones was here. Thomas Jones, of course, had a couple of really good seasons here with the Jets. Everybody thought Sean Green would be a successor. It didn't work out. Chris Ivory had one nice year in 2015, and then he kind of washed away. And ever since then, the Jets' running game has not really been all that good. They haven't had a 1,000-yard rusher since. I think Brees Hall has the opportunity to, To do that and probably do it pretty quickly If they give them the ball a lot We talked about this and Chris Walker The man behind the curtain at playlikeajet.com Has mentioned this too I've always loved the idea of Getting a guy like Brees Hall and handing him the ball 20 plus times a game, whether that's straight handoffs or combination of handoffs and giving him the ball in the passing game, which he's very good at, by the way. And lightening the load on Zach Wilson, going the route of what the Steelers did when Ben Roethlisberger was first really coming along, what the Seahawks did when Russell Wilson was first really coming along, And if Zach Wilson really only has to throw the ball, say, 20 to 22 times a game, it makes his life easier. The Jets can wear down opposing defenses with Brees Hall. And I think him being arguably the top running back in this class, the Jets did really well to get him here. The Jets actually tried to trade up into the back of round one to have four first round picks yesterday. They weren't able to do it. I think they probably wanted to do it because then they would get that fifth-year option on Brees Hall. Instead, they get him here by trading up with the New York Giants to number 36, and they jump the Texans who everybody knew wanted Brees Hall. And this, again, is proof that Joe Douglas' strategy of constant misdirection and keeping his mouth shut in terms of his true intentions is smart because once the Jets got wind of what Houston wanted to do, the Jets knew they had to jump them to get Brees Hall. They did. And now they've got their guy. So I really like this pick, Luke. I think the comp that Mike Renner over at PFF had for him, I saw a few of them. Some people were talking about Le'Veon Bell. I saw Monty Ball was another comparison. There were some people that were comparing him to Javante Williams, which is interesting because Williams, of course, was the running back partner of Michael Carter at North Carolina. But I think Mike Renner nailed this one. Kareem Hunt. The running back from the Cleveland Browns, formerly with the Kansas City Chiefs, I think it's perfect. They're both explosive, powerful, very patient runners, and they can make a lot of big plays. Kareem Hunt, when healthy, is one of the most dynamic running backs in the league, constantly making plays. I think Brees Hall has the potential to be that kind of player for the New York Jets. I think this is going to work out very, very well. And now you add him and Michael Carter to Elijah Moore and Garrett Wilson, and the Jets are really starting to build something on offense. Oh,
2: 100%, Scott. I mean, it took me by surprise. When Joe traded up, I was so happy because I thought, that's it. Don't trade back and go back to being passive. He was traded, Joe, and he was aggressive, and he went and got a guy he wanted. When he made the move to 36, I instantly thought, okay, we're looking at a DT, we're looking at a safety, or maybe he's, you know, found another defensive playmaker that he thinks can fit the Jets' defense. Well, instead, he goes and gets Brees Hall, and number one, it proves how much he loves these guys with similar names. We've got Brees Hall and Bryce Hall, Michael Carter, Michael Carter II, Elijah and Elijah, both the Wilsons, they're everywhere, the man is sick. But in all seriousness, even though it caught me by surprise, it was a fantastic pick, Scott, for all the reasons you just uh, mentioned and, and talked about there. He's explosive, but he's patient. He's quick, but he's not super quick off the mark. He's got great build-up speed. If you can block it cleanly and get him to the second level, he's going to be gone. You talked about it. It was a 4-3-9-40. He is on the 99th percentile of explosive athletes coming out of the combine, the 99th percentile. He jumped a 40-inch vert. This guy is an explosive athlete. He's a natural pass catcher as well. He's going to be a great complement because, as you said, he's a thicker build. He's more arse and legs. He can carry a load that Michael Carter maybe can't. And what have you done? You've created a young core of guys under 23, 24 years of age for the Jets on offense that I think can be genuine, some of them, superstars. Zach Wilson, Elijah Veritaker, Makai Becton, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson. They took another tight end later. I don't think he's going to be a star, but another young kid will get into Ruckett later. And then you add Brees Hall as well. I just think it was another step in the right direction. You give Michael LaFleur what he wants for this offense. You improve the play-action passing game. As you mentioned, it takes a load off Zach Wilson. I just thought it was a phenomenal pick, not one I was expecting or ever really thought about, but that's kind of you know the mastery and <laughs> the magic of, of Joe Douglas.
1: Joe Douglas had one more pick on day number two And he used it to select Ohio State tight end Jeremy Ruckert Who's more of a blocker but has some upside as a pass catcher So we'll see what he turns into He's going to be a fan favorite because he's from Long Island He grew up a Jets fan So that's a cool story I'm fine with this pick I don't think they necessarily needed him But now they've got three capable tight ends He can learn and develop behind C.J. Ozama and Tyler Conklin and if you look at the Jets' tight end room now compared to what it's been the last couple of years, major improvements. So they didn't get a guy who I think is going to be an enormous difference maker, but a quality player who may have his best football ahead of him. Solid value at pick number 101.
2: Yeah, it started with four difference makers, impact starters, and then it progressed to a role player. But the reason I like the ruck pick more than some is. Is because of what was left on the board. A lot of the players that I wanted went between picks 77 and picks 85. You started to lose guys like Travis Jones, some of the linebackers. Moomer went in that um, kind of passage as well. So in the end, I was kind of sitting there going, well, oh, you could go Winfrey, but he's a lighter defensive tackle. Some of the other guys, I wasn't expecting Ruckett because as you said, the Jets already made two kind of big moves with Uzama and with Conklin. But you got to remember, they want to run more 12 personnel. Uzama's been injured a ton in his career and I like the signing. I think he's a very good player, but there's a lot of injury risk there. And I think you mentioned it, Scott. I don't think we've seen the best football out of Jeremy Ruckett yet. They mentioned it in the presser. He only had 42 college targets or something because, you know, he's got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave and everyone else that Ohio State's had over the last two or three years. The things I like about his game, obviously it's the blocking and everyone's going to talk about the Purdue game because I think he handled George Karloftis extremely well. He was blocking one-on-one a multitude of times. Everyone's kind of going to talk about that. I don't want to repeat kind of the narrative too much. The best thing, the little hidden gem that I liked about the rocket tape when I watched it, and I wasn't like huge on him, but I think in the late third, it's good value. It's the adjustments at the catch point. Very good running down the seam. The ball thrown slightly behind him. He's extended away from his frame, and he's able to make that adjustment and snare the ball. Good contest, uh, Sorry, good uh, possession guy. He can turn those kind of uh, little hitches and that Jason Witten roll. He can do that as well, get you the first downs, move the chain. So I think it's a solid pick. It gives the Jets depth. And again, if there's an injury at tight end now, Zach Wilson isn't going to be you know in a bad position. Just same at the wide receiver position. Joe Douglas has done a great job providing depth at key offensive positions. And a little nugget for you guys. It's the first time in the open era that the New York Jets have selected a wide receiver, a running back and a tight end in the first three rounds of the NFL draft.
0: We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.
1: Play like a Jet. Play like a Jet. Let's talk now about the press conference today with Jermaine Johnson, Sauce Gardner, and Garrett Wilson. And then we'll get into some other news and notes before we talk about the results of the draft beyond what the Jets did. Jermaine Johnson said he's here to give the Jets everything he had. He said the Jets were his first pick, and if you watched the draft phone call from the war room when Joe Douglas called Jermaine Johnson, he said, Jermaine, you told us to come get you, so we went and we came and got you. And by the way, they were trying very, very hard to do that They tried to trade up with every team from 15 on, finally were able to make the deal at 26. It's amazing that Jermaine Johnson lasted that long. The Jets said that those three players, Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, and Sauce Gardner were all top eight on their board. So to get those three guys that you have valued that high in the first round is remarkable, especially since they didn't have to give up. Crazy draft capital to go up and get Jermaine Johnson. Garrett Wilson said he saw Elijah Moore in the training room today. They've already started talking about working together. Garrett Wilson says he models his game after Stevie Johnson, which is interesting. Stevie Johnson was a good receiver. That's not the first name that would have come into my head. However, it is worth noting that Stevie Johnson was one of the few wide receivers that used to give Darrell Revis a whole lot of trouble. We were talking about this before we started recording, Luke. The other one was Ted Ginn Jr. He really used to do well against Darrell Revis, caught some touchdowns against him. He was one of the toughest receivers that Darrell Revis went against. He would shut down some of the best receivers in the league, but had tons of trouble with Stevie Johnson and Ted Ginn Jr., Sauce Gardner said that he was doing media when Garrett Wilson walked in wearing a Jets hat. That's when he found out that the Jets had picked Wilson. He was on the phone with Tony Oden when he told him the Jets took Jermaine Johnson. His thoughts, man, this is going to be crazy. Sauce Gardner on training camp battles with Garrett Wilson. Iron sharpens iron. Definitely true and a good way to put it by Sauce Gardner. Sauce Gardner asked if his ears are still ringing after Robert Salah's phone call last night where he was yelling, sauce, sauce. And Gardner said, yeah, a little bit and left. In the press conference after the Jets made their day two selections, Joe Douglas said that Ron Middleton, who coached at the Senior Bowl, the Jets tight ends coach who coached the Jets to a win against Jacksonville last year, was very impressed with Jeremy Ruckert and that was part of the reason that the Jets decided to draft him. Douglas said that Brees Hall is a home run threat and trading up was a good chance for them to get a top 20 weapon. He called Jeremy Ruckert a dynamic weapon as well. And also Robert Salas spoke very highly of Jeremy Ruckert, specifically his ability to To be a strong blocker Brees Hall by the way made an appearance on NFL Network And spoke about how he was the best running back in the draft He's a player that makes plays in any kind of scheme Any kind of system and helps teams win And he's excited to help the Jets do that So that was the first time that the media had the opportunity to talk with Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson together Since they were drafted as New York Jets And then of course we heard from Robert Sala and Joe Douglas tonight after their selections of Brees Hall and Jeremy Ruckert. So, Luke, any thoughts on the comments to the media from the players and Coach Sala and Joe Douglas?
2: To be honest, I think it was some of the, the war room footage that really spoke to me about how you know, excited the Jets were to get Jermaine Johnson. You talked about how Joe said that he was a top-8 a player on their board. Along with the other two picks as well. But when you saw him say, We're on, I won't go into the exact words, but we're on the clock. We're on the clock. Like, there was literal joy all over Joe Douglas and Robert Sullivan's faces. You could tell they were genuinely amped. This wasn't just another pick or a little move and a little clap in the war room. This was, We are stoked that we just felt like we got one of the best 10 players in the draft at number 26 and only gave away a, um, a swap of picks of third rounders and then a fifth. He was ecstatic. I thought that spoke volumes about where he was at with Jermaine Johnson. Kai Becton was a big fan of that pick too. So, look, I think it was just great to hear the guys. I love that they flew in on the private jet together. All three of them flew into New York and Florham Park together to visit the building today to get to the press conference. It was good seeing them with their jerseys. Kind of flashbacks to, you know, other eras where the Jets have had three and four picks and had some pretty successful draft classes in the early 2000s. So, I was excited. It's always good to hear these guys speak and just get to know them as people. and just hope they're not someone like Darren Lee, who sounds great in front of the microphone but can't play football.
1: (laughs) Very well said, Luke, as it pertains to Darren Lee. Should also mention that the news broke today of what the actual offer was from the Jets to the 49ers for Debo Samuel. That offer was the 10th pick overall and a 5th rounder for Debo Samuel and the number 61 overall pick. The 49ers declined that offer. They decided that they would rather keep Debo Samuel and risk having to trade him next year than deal him now for that package. Which I think makes sense considering that they are a legitimate contender right now. And they have a first year starter in Trey Lance who they are going to need To surround with weapons So even if they only keep Debo for a year Then tag him and trade him next year That makes a lot of sense It sounds like the 49ers Were going to have to be absolutely blown away To move Debo Samuel Despite his formal trade request They were not blown away, and so they held on to him. The Jets pivoted to the backup plan, which was Garrett Wilson, and then, of course, they went up and got Jermaine Johnson. So I think it probably worked out for the best for both teams. I've said all along it didn't make any sense for the 49ers to trade Samuel because they could tag him and trade him next year, and it would be uncomfortable, but still, Samuel hasn't made huge money yet. So it seems unlikely that he would sit out and risk his entire year's salary, and His rights revert back to San Francisco for another year, so it's sort of counterproductive anyway. And with the Jets, Debo Samuel would have been awesome to have here, no question about it. I would have loved for the Jets to get him, but the amount of money he's going to end up making on a contract extension is probably going to be more than Sauce Gardner, Jermaine Johnson, and Garrett Wilson combined. So when you consider who the Jets were able to get, it probably worked out for the best for both teams.
2: Yeah, and you know what, Scott? I think the Jets right now are... They're sold on this youth movement. And look, it's, you're going to need an established star at some point. But maybe, just maybe, the Jets get lucky and Garrett Wilson becomes Justin Jefferson of this class. Maybe Elijah Moore takes that second-year leap and he turns into you know, an explosive, true wide receiver one, like a Stephon Diggs or whoever you want to comp him to. It doesn't really matter. An Antonio Brown type. Maybe the Jets can actually pull this off. I know we've both kind of said... You know, people are trusting Joe Douglas very blindly. And we were disappointed that he didn't make a move for Amari Cooper and some of these other wide receivers. But you know what? I think he's he's been pretty vindicated this weekend. I think while he was passive in the past, he's been very aggressive. And you know what? He made an aggressive offer for Debo too. You know, swap 10 and a fifth round pick for 61 and Debo. That's an aggressive move that on their calculations and the draft little formula they have – it works out to about pick number 16 or 17. That's exactly what AJ Brown went for. He was on the money. San Francisco held out for a haul, rightfully so. They can do that. They're going to settle it out. As you said, Debo's not going to go anywhere. He's not going to sit out. This will all kind of calm down, I'm sure, be a bit of a, a storm in a teacup. But Joe Douglas was aggressive. He then didn't, you know, take any trade offers into consideration. Number 10, he didn't want to trade down and he went and got his guy, Garrett Wilson. Was he my guy? Not quite. I wasn't. You know super ant with the pick but I still think he has an opportunity to be great and the Jets have given Zach Wilson an opportunity to be great and that's what this draft was all about
1: as I said yesterday Luke considering who they got with those three picks if Garrett Wilson can give you even 80% of what Debo Samuel gives you considering how much Debo Samuel is going to make then that's a big win for the Jets so we'll see how this turns out but it could possibly be for the best for both teams Let's go through what happened on day number two, Luke. Starting off with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who had traded down yesterday out of the first round. They kicked it off with Logan Hall, the defensive lineman from Houston. The Packers got Christian Watson, the wide receiver out of North Dakota State. You know he's going to be a star now that he's with Aaron Rodgers with that size and speed. Roger McCreary, a pretty solid corner, goes off the board to the Tennessee Titans. And then the Jets jumped up to get Brees Hall. Jalen Petrie, who I thought was another guy the Jets could have considered if they'd stayed at 38, he goes at 37 to the Texans after the Jets stole Brees Hall out from under them. Arnold Abichetti, the edge rusher from Penn State, goes to the Falcons at number 38. Some talk that maybe he would get into the first round, he didn't. Speaking of which, a couple of other players... That were thought to be possible first rounders Kyler Gordon, the cornerback out of Washington Goes to the Bears at 39 Boye Mafé, the edge rusher out of Minnesota Goes to the Seahawks at 40 Kenneth Walker becomes the second running back Off the board at number 41 To the Seahawks, who picked twice in a row The Vikings grab Andrew Booth Jr. Out of Clemson, the cornerback At 42 I didn't think he was as good as The top three corners in this draft Sauce Gardner, Derek Stingley Jr. And Trent McDuffie, but at number That's a pretty good value there. For the Minnesota Vikings the Giants Grab Wandale Robinson after trading Down twice the wide receiver out of Kentucky at number 43 Interesting player he's sort of Along the lines of what you would have expected Them to try to get out of Kadarius Tony sort of a gadget wide receiver So it makes sense That there's talk that they're looking to move on From Tony if Wandale Robinson is Going to assume that role John Mechie goes to the Houston Texans At number 44 the receiver Out of Alabama he's Recovering from an injury but very polished Good route runner David Ajabo Who at one point was talked about as being a potential Top 10 pick because of his upside And athleticism the edge rusher out of Michigan he goes 45 to the Ravens I love that pick they can Afford to let him recover and Get a guy who was potentially a Top 10 15 talent and develop him Joshua Pascal, the defensive end out of Kentucky, goes at forty-six to the Lions. The Commanders grab Fedarian Mathis, the defensive tackle out of Alabama. Jaquan Brisker, who I liked a lot, thought could have been an interesting pick for the Jets. He goes off the board to the Bears at number forty-eight. So the Bears go out and get some secondary help for themselves with Kyler Gordon at thirty-nine and at forty-eight. Jaquan Brisker, Alante Taylor, the cornerback out of Tennessee, goes to the Saints. The Patriots traded up for a wide. Receiver, but not one of the ones we would have expected. We thought maybe Sky Moore or George Pickens instead. It's Taquan Thornton, the wide receiver out of Baylor, who broke all those combine records. Cam Juergens the center out of Nebraska Goes 51 to the Eagles He could have been a possibility if he had Lasted longer into the third round for the Jets But he goes earlier than anticipated The Steelers then get George Pickens the wide receiver out Of Georgia I love that one Pickens Is a guy who it's been said has Some disciplinary issues He's had some injury problems but the Talent is there he has the ability to Be a legitimate number one type wide receiver And if there's any coach in the league That you would trust to get that out of him and Keep him on the straight and narrow. It's Mike Tomlin, so that's a fantastic fit. Alec Pierce goes off the board to the Colts at 53, the wide receiver from Cincinnati. I like that one. I think that's excellent value. Speaking of excellent value, one of the steals of the draft. Luke, you and I both really like him. Sky Moore, the wide receiver out of Western Michigan, goes to the Chiefs. I think that is fantastic. The Chiefs traded up for him, and he is going to be really, really good With Patrick Mahomes, I wouldn't be surprised at all if he produces at a higher level than most of the receivers that were drafted ahead of him. Trey McBride, the tight end of Colorado State, who at one point was a major draft crush of a lot of Jets fans before they went out and signed two tight ends. He goes at number 55 to the Cardinals. I like that one. Cardinals loading up on offense. Sam Williams, the edge rusher out of Mississippi. Goes to the Cowboys at number 56. He's a very talented edge rusher, but a ton of issues off the field. Cowboys are no stranger to that strategy. They drafted Randy Gregory in the second round, the guy that at one point was thought to be a top 10 pick because he had issues off the field. And Gregory had his ups and downs, but ultimately turned into a pretty good player. Luke Godkey, the guard out of Central Michigan, goes 57 to the Tampa Bay Bucks. Troy Anderson, former quarterback who was converted to linebacker, excellent athleticism out of Montana State. Goes 58 to the Falcons. The Vikings grab Ed Ingram, the guard out of LSU. Cam Taylor-Britt, the cornerback out of Nebraska, goes to the Bengals at 60. At 61, the pick that we talked about before, the Jets potentially getting. Drake Jackson goes to the 49ers out of USC. USC. Brian Cook, the safety out of Cincinnati, goes number 62 to the Kansas City Chiefs. James Cook, the running back out of Georgia, goes at number 63 to the Buffalo Bills. They needed a running back, so they get one there. And Nick Benito, the edge rusher out of Oklahoma, goes 64th to the Denver Broncos to finish out the second round. Notable here, Luke, is the fact that. There was only one quarterback that came off the board in the first two rounds, and that was Kenny Pickett yesterday to the Pittsburgh Steelers at number 20. This is the first time in 22 years. That there hasn't been more than one quarterback to go off the board in the first 60 picks. It happened in 2000. The first quarterback off the board, Chad Pennington to the Jets at number 18. There wasn't another one until Gio Carmazzi came off the board later on. And of course, as we know, there was a gentleman named Tom Brady who ended up going number 199 in that draft. But Chad Pennington turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. We'll see how this shakes out. There were some quarterbacks that got picked in the third round, which we'll discuss in a little bit. But first, Luke, your thoughts on the second round what stood out to you both positively and negatively with these picks the first one
2: was a trade i thought it was fascinating scott because the vikings traded with the division rival the guys who have beaten them up for years maybe not necessarily in the head-to-head but as far as division titles and that's the packers and they gave aaron Rodgers the wide receiver that he needed every man and their dog knew that the, the green bay packers were trading up for a receiver someone that the vikings were going to see twice a year Now, I get it from their perspective. They probably wanted Andrew Booth Jr. at number 34 or 35, wherever they were picking, 35, I think. And they end up getting him after moving back and getting an extra second-round pick. It's a good move. But is it worth it when you're giving Aaron Rodgers, a potential MVP who plays in your division, the missing piece he needs in Christian Watson? Is it worth it? I thought that was a fascinating move. I think you can definitely see it from both perspectives, but I just don't think I would have done it if I was Minnesota. And then I also love the Steelers. That was pretty hilarious. You had uh, Chase Claypool announcing the pick uh, of Pickens from Georgia, someone who he could be kind of replacing long-term there in the organization, kind of playing that X receiver on the outside. I thought it was also a great value. You talked about Tomlin and how he has a great relationship and rapport with the players. He has their respect and he, he kind of is no stranger to getting control of these difficult locker room guys. thought that was a really great selection. Um, a lot of edges came off the ball. We expected that. I like the Petri pick as well, but that was pretty good value and the Texans had a good draft. But man, the Baltimore Ravens, all they did was piss me off all day today. They just took good player after good player. When you get Kyle Hamilton and then you get Linderbaum in the first round, you can take David Ajabo. And then on top of that, they went and made my life misery in the third round as well. So I thought they were fantastic. Those were some of the teams that stood out to me. I thought the Chiefs were good as well. But they were kind of the main picks I looked at in the second round and and the, the trends that kind of made me raise an eyebrow or picks I really liked.
1: Third round started off with Luke Fortner, the center out of Kentucky. Brian Osmoa, the linebacker out of Oklahoma, went 66 to the Vikings really like that pick Asamoa is one of the better inside linebackers in this draft Joshua Zedu, the guard from North Carolina comes off the board at 67 to the Giants Martin Emerson who had terrific athletic scores the cornerback out of Mississippi State Goes 68th to the Cleveland Browns the Titans with the pick they got from the Jets number 69 Take Nicholas Pettit-Ferrer the offensive tackle out of Ohio State Chad Mummo, who is a popular name among some Jets fans Goes number 70 to the Jacksonville Jaguars The linebacker out of Wyoming Vellis Jones, the wide receiver from Tennessee Goes 71st to the Chicago Bears Abraham Lucas, the offensive tackle from Washington State Goes at number 72 to the Seattle Seahawks. Jelani Woods, not a lot of production, but incredible athletic upside and size. Tight end out of Virginia, raw player, but he could become pretty good if he gets the proper coaching. He comes off the board to the Colts at number 73. Atlanta Falcons grab the next quarterback. So this is the second quarterback off the board, and it didn't happen until pick 74. Desmond Ritter, the quarterback out of Cincinnati. Christian Harris linebacker from Alabama who made some nice plays in the national championship game. He goes at 75 to the Texans. Really good athleticism and upside, still raw, but he could become a very good player if he gets the right coaching. Travis Jones, the defensive tackle out of Connecticut. This was a steal here at number 76 to the Baltimore Ravens, which is what Luke was alluding to before. Bernard Raymond, the offensive tackle out of New Zealand, who played his college ball at Central Michigan, a little older, 24 years old. People thought he could go in the first round. Instead, he goes number 77 to the Indianapolis Colts. Alex Wright, the defensive end out of UAB, goes to the Browns at 78. The Chargers grab JT Woods, the safety out of Baylor at 79. Greg Dolchich, the tight end out of UCLA, goes to the Broncos at 80. He'll replace Noah Fant, who is traded in the Russell Wilson deal. I like that pick for them. I think he's got potential to be a pretty good receiving tight end in the NFL Cordell Flott, the cornerback out of LSU, goes to the Giants at number 81. At 82, the Falcons get D'Angelo Malone, the edge rusher out of Western Kentucky, who made some nice plays in the Senior Bowl. N'Kobe Dean, this is one of the storylines of the day. The quarterback's dropping and N'Kobe Dean dropping. He goes 83rd to the Philadelphia Eagles, the linebacker from Georgia. Obviously had the talent to go in the first round, but we heard about medical red flags. And now we hear... That it's possible that he's going to have to miss the entire year With a pec injury that he hasn't had surgery for yet That's why teams didn't draft him higher He may not play until 2023 So any team that drafted him had to be comfortable with that possibility The Eagles decided that at 83 the value was worth it DeMarvin Leal, the defensive tackle at a Texas A&M Who at one point was being talked about as a possible first round pick He goes to the Steelers at number 84 Patriots grab cornerback Marcus Jones at Out of Houston at 85 The Titans grabbed the next quarterback off the board Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty Some people thought he could go as high As number two to the Lions I never really bought that I did think he was in play to the Steelers at number 20 They went with Kenny Pickett instead Cameron Thomas who I believe Led the nation in quarterback pressures This year the defensive end out of San Diego State goes to the Cardinals at 87 Good value there speaking of good value Chalen Tolbert I really like Him the wide receiver out of South Alabama Former outfielder so he has great Ball tracking skills he goes to The Cowboys at 88 so he'll help Them try to replace Amari Cooper Terrell Bernard the linebacker at of Baylor goes to the Bills at 89 The Raiders take Dylan Parham the guard Out of Memphis at number 90 he was On a lot of sleeper lists very Highly thought of I think he could be a real bargain For the Raiders Rashad White The running back out of Arizona, big power back, goes to the Bucks at number 91. At number 92, the Packers grab Sean Ryan, the offensive lineman out of UCLA. I really like him. Versatile player, fits the scheme, can play guard or tackle. Would have liked the Jets to get him at 101, but he goes a couple of picks higher. 49ers grab Tyrion Davis Price, the running back out of LSU at number 93. The Panthers use a next year's third to move up and grab Matt Corral, the quarterback out of Mississippi at number 94. Some off-the-field stuff dropped him down, as did an injury. But this just made Sam Darnold's life a lot more interesting and Baker Mayfield's because a lot of people expected Mayfield to get traded to the Panthers. Now that's probably not going to happen because they spent a third rounder next year to move up and get Matt Corral. So we'll keep our eye on the Baker Mayfield situation and see where he goes. I still think Seattle makes a ton of sense for him because they've got Lockett and Metcalf and that offense could be pretty good with a decent quarterback and I think a healthy Mayfield Could play fairly well there in Seattle And give them a chance to at least compete Zachary Carter, the defensive end Out of Florida, goes 95th To the Bengals, Colts grab Nick Cross The safety out of Maryland at 96 Thought he could have been in play for the Jets Because they need a safety Kirby Joseph, another one that could have been In play for the Jets, the safety out of Illinois He goes to the Lions at 97 Commanders take Brian Robinson The running back out of Alabama David Bell, the receiver out of Purdue Goes 99th to the Browns, I love that value. I think he has second round talent I was saying to our friend Chris Walker the other day That he's the kind of player that becomes a very productive NFL wide receiver And years from now people say Why did he go in the third round? Why didn't he go earlier? And the reason is because his tape was pretty good, but he didn't have those elite traits that you're looking for speed-wise, size-wise, and all of that. So he dropped down to number 99. But he could be a very productive receiver for the Browns. He joins a receiver room with Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones. myji Sanders, who at one point people thought could go as high as the late first round, early second round, he drops down to number 100 with the Arizona Cardinals. Pretty good value there. He'll help them try to replace Chandler Jones. We talked about Jeremy Ruckert, the tight end out of Ohio State, going number 101 to the Jets. Channing Tyndall is the player I'd have picked at 101 if I were the Jets. Instead, he goes one pick later, the linebacker out of Georgia, 102 to the Dolphins. Leo Chanel, another linebacker who a lot of people thought could go in the second round. Out of Wisconsin He goes at 103 to the Chiefs The Rams grab Logan Bruss The guard out of Wisconsin at 104 And Danny Gray ends the day The wide receiver at SMU Going 105 to the 49ers So Luke, any thoughts On these picks, both good and bad?
2: Yeah, the first one That stood out to me was the Chicago Bears This is is the advantage Of losing when you need a quarterback The Bears have fallen into the 2018 New York Jets trap They had to trade up to get a quarterback. Now that said quarterback is impossible to build around because you don't have the assets. So the Jets are there adding young, explosive weapons around Zach Wilson, and they draft a 25-year-old wide receiver in the third round. And I was just kind of sitting there chuckling because it's a catch-22. They're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't. It's going to be a difficult situation. Justin Fields is going to be battling, but I thought that was a pick that kind of spoke volumes about the importance of tanking and losing games sometimes. But then picks I liked two back-to-back. You kind of hit on them as well, Scott. I looked at um, the Baltimore Ravens again, getting Travis Jones, a guy who I mocked, to the Bengals at 31 in the draft. And then another guy I mocked in the first round, Raymond, the kid from New Zealand. He went a lot later than I thought. I think I mocked him to the Saints at number 17 or something like that. So, Two guys I thought the NFL would cover a lot more than they did slipped nearly all the way to the Jets. And it was a little bit disappointing. And that's the thing about trading up in the draft is sometimes you miss the meat of those second and third rounds. But I wouldn't change a thing about what Joe Douglas did in that regard. And then again, I like the Chiefs pick. I know this has kind of been a theme over the last couple of days for me. I thought getting Leo Chanel there, Wisconsin kid, was, was a really good move. They've poured a ton of assets into linebacker recently. They went and got one in the second round last year, and, and they kind of seem to think that's an important part of their defense. They've got to replace that Tyron Matthew role. So maybe instead of doing it with a safety dimebacker type, they're just going to load up on linebackers. So I thought they were the teams that kind of had the most success in the second round. You mentioned um, – the Packers getting the tackle out of UCLA thought he was pretty good against K- uh, Kayvon Thibodeau when I was watching him. So, yeah, and they were the teams that did well, and they were the things that stood out in the third round.
1: Luke, best available well, players heading into day number three Isaiah Spiller, who we both really liked, the running back out of Texas AM. Surprised he's still on the board. The Jets obviously drafted Brees Hall, so there's no way they're going to go with him, but. They could go with Perry and Winfrey, the defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. They could use some help stuffing the run. They had a problem with that last year, and they did lose Foley Fadakasi to free agency. Winfrey played really, really well at the senior bowl, so that's a possibility if he's on the board at number 111. Unfortunately, most of the guys that are on the board that have the most value are tight ends, running backs, wide receivers, and cornerbacks at this point. And I don't see the Jets going and picking any of them. We mentioned Daniel Falele, the offensive tackle. I don't think that's going to happen just because he's too big and too slow to really work in his own scheme. But there are some other offensive linemen and linebackers that could be in play here. Darian Beavers, the linebacker out of Cincinnati. I wouldn't mind that pick at all. Max Mitchell, the offensive tackle out of Louisiana. Darian Kennard, the offensive lineman out of Kentucky. Jamari Salier, the offensive lineman out of Georgia. Zach Tom, the offensive lineman out of Wake Forest. Calvin Austin, who if the Jets pick, I'll have to refer to as Stone Cold, the receiver out of Memphis. He could be an interesting replacement for Jamison Crowder in the slot. Brandon Smith, the linebacker out of Penn State. Still raw, needs some coaching, but excellent athlete with a high ceiling. Bo Melton, the wide receiver out of Rutgers, who lit up the combine with his speed. And even though the Jets aren't going to pick him, Sam Howell is still on the board, which is crazy because at the beginning of the year, people thought that he and Spencer Rattler were going to compete to be the number one overall pick. Rattler ended up losing his starting job and transferring to South Carolina. And Sam Howell tanked so much that he is now still available, heading into day number three of this draft, which is absolutely wild to me. So Luke, talk to me a little bit about the best available talent In day number three who you think could make sense for the Jets And also here's one that I don't expect them to target in the fourth round But I wouldn't mind it at all if they found a way to come away with him Cade York, the kicker out of LSU, he's got a big leg And we know the Jets really need to solve that kicker situation So Luke, what are your thoughts on day number three of the NFL draft The players that you think would be the best potential targets for the Jets to go after With picks number 111 and 117
2: Yeah, before I get into who I think the Jets should target, poor Sam Howell. The guy got duped by a a Baker Mayfield comp. As soon as people heard that, they went, we do not want another Baker Mayfield. The the Browns are never going to be able to get rid of him. So that was unfortunate for him. But as far as those two picks for the Jets, I thought it was interesting that Joe Douglas said to the beat uh, uh, later this afternoon that it looked like it was going to be a short day for them tomorrow. Sounds like he wants to sit there and pick at those two. I don't anticipate him trading back and getting these kind of mediocre players in the sixth and the seventh. The two guys that I just said on Twitter earlier that I want to see the Jets target, uh, Perry and Winfrey, the guy you mentioned already. Look, my only hesitation is that he's not a space eater and he's not a great run defender. He's more of that one-gap-penetrate-shifty-three tech. And the Jets have a lot of those guys. They've got Quinn and Williams, who's also a great run defender. They've got John Franklin Myers, who's going to kick inside more. And then you've got people and role players uh, like a Sheldon Rankins. And that's kind of the, the type and style of player he is. So it's a kind of an asset we already have, but you can always get more bodies up front. It's the Robert Sala way. And then Zach Tom's a guy that I love. Now, love is probably a strong word, but he's a guy I considered taking at 69 when the Jets originally had that pick. I said that I'd rather do that than take Ike McCorno at number four, people wanted to say, how can you equate the two? The Jets need a backup player, someone who can play on the outside, but also gives you versatility to kick inside, to guard, or even center. I think he's that dude. I thought he was very good against Johnson, sorry, Jermaine Johnson. Sorry, um, Johnson. And yeah, I think he, he would be a fantastic pick. Day three is a day for Joe Douglas to go back to his roots. He had his fun. He's got his explosive playmakers, his corners, people who can win at the line of scrimmage out wide. Some of these explosive play stoppers and creators. Go back to your roots. Get a D lineman. Get an O lineman. A safety if one falls to you. But that's kind of the direction I would go on day three.
1: Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down day number two of the 2022 NFL Draft with me. Really appreciate it. For those that want to check out everything you're doing on the Play Like a Jet YouTube channel and visit our store at tpublic.com, what do we have on our YouTube channel, and what can people get when they go to our store over at tpublic.com? That's teepublic.com.
2: Well, you're going to get plenty of things over at T public My partner, Alex, helps with the designs. She's done a great job. There's a lot of Zach Wilson merch. Zach says go long. Zach the Ripper with the headband, the headband and, the, and the war paint with a bit of blood. Um, you've got the John Frank Myers and Quinn and Williams bless you, thank you range. Play Like a Jet logo merch. You can do anything with that stuff. There's going to be some stuff coming. I'm sure there is from this draft class. We're on the effing clock. There's going to be a shirt coming up of that. I'm sure there's going to be... Maybe a little shirt coming out making fun of Joe Douglas and his affinity for picking people with the same names and the same, uh, you know, uh, similar names anyway. So um, I think that's a fantastic option to get some merch. It's a little bit different. And then across on the YouTube, you're going to find already videos of Jermaine Johnson. There's two of them. You're going to find a video on Garrett Wilson. You're going to find a video on uh, Source Gardner. And then the next couple of days, you better believe you're getting a Brees haul. You're going to get one on Jeremy Ruckett. All that stuff is coming in hot. So make sure you check it out. Play like I did on YouTube. It is going to be a big couple of days.
1: Make sure that you go to our YouTube channel Watch all the videos and subscribe to the channel If you haven't already Visit our store at teepublic.com That's teepublic.com And be sure to give us a 5 star review For the podcast on iTunes If you haven't done that already Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money But it goes a long way to help us out So if you could go ahead and do that for us We'd be quite grateful And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content You know where to go That's Play like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com